It's time for Moment of Truth with David Moses. Element. Element. Element FM. Welcome to Moment of Truth. I'm your host, David Moses. You're listening to Element FM in Toronto and Ottawa. And that, of course, is 95.7 in Ottawa, 106.5 in Toronto, anywhere across the country. If you download the Radio Player Canada app and type in one of those two coordinates, as well as E-L-M-N-T-F-M, and then listen on your device of choice 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It's a pleasure to welcome to the show Patrick Hunter, and uh, he's a two-spirit Ojibwe artist, graphic designer, and entrepreneur from Red Lake, Ontario, but I believe he's more specifically uh, from the area of Madsen, if I'm not mistaken, that has about 40 dogs, is that right? About 40 people and 80 dogs. Oh, oh, oh okay. And uh, so 40 people, 80 dogs, uh, understandable, <laughs> and no internet. Uh, Starlink is coming, I, we, we hope. Right. We're really thinking on that. <laughs> now, I understand also in, in 2011, you made the move um, to, to move to Toronto so that you could pursue your, your career. Yeah, yeah, from Sault Ste. Marie. I went to college in Sault Ste. Marie um, and took the graphic design program, thinking that it would propel me in, in my career in Toronto, but it just turns out that everyone in Toronto is a graphic designer. Um, <laughs> So I, I, I fell back on painting and it seems to have worked out. Okay, well, tell me a little bit about the painting side of things then. You studied as a graphic designer, but where did painting start in your life? Um, I had a really good art teacher in, grade, in, in high school and she really just taught us a lot of different modalities to artwork and stuff. So um, I originally was going to go to art school, but I didn't have the right high school credits to get in. Mm. But they said, if you go do a year of college, you could come into a uh, second year of the program um, at, at university and, you know, carry on from there. But uh, I just ended up really liking the program at Sioux College. So I just, I stuck with it and felt that there was a little bit more job opportunities after. Mm. But, um, you know, mm. there's, there's some great graphic design schools um, in Toronto. So that's yeah. a good thing that there's right. maybe too many of us. <laughs> well, listen, it hasn't been a bad move for you in any case. It sounds like things are really going well for you. You were one of uh, one of several Indigenous artists that Purolator picked to have you design um, one of their holiday boxes that people will be sending out items uh, in this holiday season. Yeah, that email it came it came you know into my inbox and. Uh, I read it and then, you know, five seconds later, I'm like, oh my God, I'm in. Yes, I'll totally do it. We'll work out the details after. <laughs> but, um, that's that's kind of how it happened. I think they had found a lot of us through Instagram. Mm. Um, and that's oh. sort of how, it, that's sometimes how it happens when you're an entrepreneur slash, you know, graphic designer and artist too. Does that does that surprise you that they, that they might have found you through Instagram? Yeah, not so much anymore. I've been doing this job full-time, like without a part-time job to mm-hmm. fall back on. I've been doing this full-time for six years mm-hmm. and sort of just the the strange and fun ways that people contact you, like makes for a good story. That's for sure. <laughs> it does, for sure. Um, listen, you, when you made the move to Toronto, though, and you were thinking that it was going to, and obviously has worked out for you, what were the first kind of jobs you were you were taking and that you were finding were coming your way? Uh, uh, you kind of do a lot of you'll do anything for uh, like a paycheck right. at, at that point. Um, right. Sort of for sleazy 
like newspapers where they're like they're the goal is just to sell stuff like yeah liquidating um jewelry stores and stuff like that Mm. and you know all of this schooling you have and then you're asked to like just make it brighter and then make the font bigger and then put some starbursts in it and it's like you why did you ask me to do it then if (laughs) you know you have all of this design experience but i understand that that's sometimes like the way that you sell stuff but um you know as a designer that likes to make things look better sure um that was a lot of soul sucking work, but yeah. you know, that just sort of teaches you that that's not the type of work you want to do. Mm. You know, when I go to your website and I see the kind of things that you're, you're, you're into that you've been involved when, with, you are into all kinds of things, aren't you? Anywhere that you, you can put your art, uh, you're, you're sort of gravitating to and doing, doing some nice work. Thanks. Um, yeah, I, the intention of the work has changed over the last six years. Like now that I'm a little older, I'm 32 now, I'm starting to realize that the, you know, the importance of um, just having some, some, like I said, intention behind the work. So what that is, is just um, putting indigeneity on products that, you know, putting indigenous iconography, like my own stuff that I come up with onto products that I like to use. Mm-hmm. And then I feel like that translates well, uh, you know, when people want to buy something for their house. So say, you know, it could be just a picture on the wall, mm-hmm. could be a piece of clothing that they love, or, you know, a mug, surfboard, um, those types of things, and just subtly put it out there. Because I, I think in, in today's world, it, it's becoming better, but there's just not a lot of um, Indigenous iconography out there. Mm. I notice it because I am part of that culture. But, you know, for someone in Toronto, I, I think it's pretty easy to not know that there even was indigenous people here. Mm. It's still surprising to me when I hear the, that, you know, um, in this day and age. But um, I guess that's the reality of the situation. Um, uh, so, Patrick, when you said you got this uh, email from Purelater, you said you were in, you'll work out the details later. H- how much of a turnaround time did you have and, and what was the process like? It, w- it was pretty quick. So they, I think we, we finished everything that we needed to um, like from hearing about the project to completing the project, like uh, wrapping it up sort of thing. Um, it may be two weeks, a little bit less than yeah. that, um, mm-hmm. which, you know, you want to make it good. So you, it was a lot of uh, longer days of mm-hmm. just kind of coming up with, with a cool design that I thought would be meaningful to people in not just Ontario, but like, you know, where they would receive the box too, like what that experience is like. So yeah, it was, it was a fun process though. Like, like I said, um, when emails like that kind of come across your, your, your screen, you're like, yes, I will do whatever it takes to do a project like this. Yeah. It's a nice little project. Uh, and congratulations uh, on that. And, you know, uh, Purelator, that's going right across the country. Is it North America? Well, I guess it's going North America because people are going to be sending packages anywhere. I mean, I've heard some of the uh, statistics and they they estimate that they will like ship about 46 million boxes or yeah, something. So yeah. it's going to get out there. And yeah. uh, I think it's it's a great it was a great fit for me because, you know, like I said earlier about the intention behind the work, wanting to share my culture with more people. Um, it was just like perfect timing. Mm. Now, what do you know about the the package design that you you worked on? Is it various sizes? Is it one particular size of of box or package that that you are designing for? 
Um, it is one. It's one specific size. Okay. Um, I, I couldn't really say about the size of a puzzle. Maybe a little thicker. Yep. 46 million packages being delivered over the holiday season. That's about 10 million more than the population of Canada to begin with. (laughs) (laughs) And it's an increase of about 20%. But even if you were to take like 10% of that, you know, and and think about the numbers, right, of where your work is going to be going to and and shared, that's pretty cool, eh? Yeah, it's a lot more than, more people than there are in Madsen, that's for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Now, listen, some of the other stuff that you're working on, and, you know, I think it ties into the holiday season. You're working on houseware products and, and those kind of things for the holiday season, yeah. I think. Tell us about that. Yeah. I, well, I've been able, I what I really want to do is just be a brand that kind of has a made in Canada name and, you know, a made in Canada, every every product is, is you know, sourced here. So it's not easy to do and it's not cheap either, mm. but... You know, the more businesses like me kind of tap other businesses for products, like the cheaper it'll get. But I found this place in Toronto called the Dex Lab that um, they're a pottery studio, pottery yep. person. Um, so he's the one that's making my mugs, uh, eventually getting into some plates. Found another guy that does cutting boards, like really beautiful, mm. um, interesting shapes and stuff. And then I kind of wood burn my designs onto those. Uh, yeah. So that that's kind of what kicked it off. I didn't know. I wish I knew sooner. And, you know, for anyone listening, do mugs. Like if you're an artist <laughs> that wants to like have some bread and butter, just get your artwork on mugs. People go crazy for them. I've sold thousands of them and it's, it's fun. And, you know, everyone loves a mug. <laughs> it's, it's true. It's it's true. <laughs> Everybody's got to have a beverage uh, to drink. Uh, and you know, that's wonderful. Good for you. Congratulations. Yeah, but listen, uh, 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 Purolator is not the only company you worked for, I understand. You, you've worked with some other uh, high-profile organizations, RBC, BMO, Ernst yeah. & Young. Yeah, those have come about through – I have like a – I didn't – I had no idea what to do with business when I first started. But I did one smart thing and I joined uh, the Canadian Gay and Lesbian Chamber of Commerce, um, CGLCC, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. and – they really hooked a lot of those kinds of connections up because they had like these events where you could go to. And instead of it being like an elevator pitch, you really have a lot of time to pitch your work and pitch yourself to um, companies that are looking for diversity and how they spend their money. So instead of going to the, the, you know, the old, the same old, same old place for X amount of stuff, they want to diversify their spends and, and choose, you know, LGBT businesses, you know, women-owned, minority-owned. So um, that's that's what I did, and it really it worked out. And I've been, you know, working those connections um, ever since then. Still with the, the intention of like um, making sure Indigenous iconography is sort of like at the forefront of what they're doing, and that they're doing it in a respectful way. What do you mean by that respectful way? Well, you know, appreciation versus. Uh, um, appropriation for mm. one I think is, is um, a, a line that you know is sort of danced on or crossed mm. some of the time mm. so um, teaching corporations literally how to do it with you know the least amount of acrimony possible so yeah. and it's it can happen like I've, I've done it um, with a couple of them and you know people don't know what they don't know until you tell them so um, I think being an authentic person, telling them how to 
work with Indigenous people uh, in a respectful way that, you know, where everyone wins, that's the, that's the goal. And they like that, too. Mm. Yeah, I guess it's nice to work with these these uh, projects with large organizations that you get to work with. And, and, and I'm guessing, though, also, even though it might be nice to get repeat work, I'm guessing that probably isn't as much because they have to show fairness. They have to uh, make sure that they bring in in other artists and and uh, and make sure they get a variety of people that represent the works that they're looking for as well. Yeah, I mean, sometimes um, you know, the, one of the joys of being or one of the the best parts about being a part of a chamber of commerce is that you know you're in their Rolodex, so yeah. they and you're already vetted. So yes. one of the things that, that I think people are, are sort of hung up on or, or confused by is like, well, why don't you use this guy? Well, he's unproven and untested. Right. Whereas like if you're part of a chamber, you have to go through, you know, some hoops to kind of just show that you're interested and you're, you know, can actually fulfill the work. So there's that as well, which I don't, I mean, it, it's not that hard to go through those hoops, but you know, it's part of it, you know? I'm glad you brought that up because becoming part of a chamber of commerce, like you said, is a good is a good business move because you yep. get to meet other people. Like you said, you get to be into their Rolodex and you also get to be someone that is vetted and gets to be uh, known by them. So it's it's more easy for you to become accessible sure. for them to be used. Do you think that is something that other indigenous artists are aware of? Do you think that, that indigenous artists need to become more aware of of that side of things, uh, you know, more savvy in that area that, that it, it's just something you need to do to, to, you know, to get the the bread and butter flowing. Yeah, I think, yeah, I do think that that needs to be said a lot more. And I think it's, it's, it's starting to kind of pick up speed, like through um, the Canadian council for Aboriginal business, mm. CCIE, yep. they're doing some great work in, yep. in promoting the, the value of it. And like, it's a little bit hard to comprehend at first, but once you kind of, once the, you know, the light turns on, you're like, holy moly, like I, <laughs> this is going to be great. Yeah. Or this yeah. already is. So right. it's getting there. Um, you know, I'm talking about it. So Yeah. I, I mean, the, the other thing, Patrick, that you mentioned there in, in terms of respect, and I think that goes back to the idea of you know, when you're the only indigenous person in the room, you then become the expert, right? So everybody comes to you and you got all the answers, right? You got all the answers. And, um, you know, I think that I wonder if, 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 you know, that's also an opportunity for education, right? Um, for, for, um, you know, whatever can be shared, but uh, do, do you find that organizations are becoming more, more open and more aware and more um, uh, malleable to the idea of I have more work to do here. Yeah, big time. And I think there's even just with this example of the pure litter boxes, I think that's a step in the right direction to them wanting to do more, mm. you know, work in, in social spheres. Um, other places I've worked with like Rogers and RBC, like, those are places that can really have an impact on on a lot of say rural um you know remote flying communities mm. so mm-hmm. how you know how they're doing it is is could be an example for another corporation on how they can be of service more and um it, the the boat is turning you know the t- it's shifting to more towards that um and hey i'm just here to like offer up some graphics make it look uh, make your brochures look better um, so that you can have more of a diverse hire, diverse spends, things like that. So 
um, it's it's all part of the soup. Mm, right. You're listening to Element FM in Toronto and Ottawa. That is 95.7 in Ottawa, 106.5 in Toronto, anywhere across the country. If you download the Radio Player Canada app, type in one of those two coordinates as well as E-L-M-N-T-F-M and then listen on your device of choice 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I'm your host, David Moses. And... My guest on the show today is Patrick Hunter. He is a two-spirit Ojibwe artist, graphic designer, and entrepreneur, originally from Red Lake or Madsen, uh, northern Ontario area. And uh, he moved to Toronto 2011 to pursue his career in the arts after completing graphic design uh, at uh, Sioux College in Sault Ste. Marie. Now, Patrick, you know, I was really surprised to see you said something in, in describing yourself. And and that is this. Your you see your your cultural background as an asset to your success. Now, you know, many people might see indigenous background as a hindrance. Why do you why do you see this as an asset? Um, you know, for a number of reasons. Uh I think it's a good thing to flip the script on you know, why it seems like the narrative for the longest time had always been, um, you know, struggle, 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 yep. success, you know, or negative experiences and then positive experiences. So um, I, as someone who, you know, is culturally active, um, I'm proud of that fact. And sure. I think it's important for more people to, you know, be less cynical about where what their background is. And, you know, it's not just being indigenous. It's also being, you know, a gay man as well. Like yeah. that's been an asset to my career too. Right. And um, really just a niche market for yeah. stuff is, is not a bad thing. Right. I'm, you know, it's, it's working out for me. <laughs> um, so, you know, you saying those things out loud, I think, you know, it makes, maybe it makes it a little easier for the next guy coming up too. That's like, Oh, okay. Like I'm allowed to be proud of like where I come from. I didn't know that. And, um, you know, that's sometimes the reality of where we come from. No, good on you for, for that. Absolutely. And I couldn't agree with you more. Yeah. Why not turn it around? And, and, uh, that's what people do all the time. Really successful people think positive. Right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. You, you got to think that way. So, uh, yeah, congratulations and, and uh, good on you. That, that's why I brought that out there. Uh, Patrick, the other thing is that you're involved with other other things in your life, such as um, you're the artist in residence for the Prince's Trust in Canada. Now, that's Prince Charles. I know you, you, you had voiced that, but what is the actual organization? So what he has a number of... Um you know, charities that are, that are yeah. in his name in, yes. in the Commonwealth countries and stuff. Yeah. And uh, kind of, I think they're mostly all similar. They do a lot of work with, um, uh, like in Canada specifically, with um, Indigenous language reclamation. They work with veterans um, and helping them start small businesses or, you know, uh, just being entrepreneurs in whatever sort of capacity that they can be helpful. That's what, that's what they do as well. So, uh, those are two of the pillars of of what their charity is all about, and um, what we the work that we had done together was put out um, an indigenous well a, a coloring book with all of my images in it, and then I wrote a little narrative to go along with each one of the images, and then it was translated into three languages. We sent all those books out to um, Teach for Canada, which is a charity that works in northwestern Ontario in fly and remote communities. So kids could learn or anyone really could learn mm. um, a little bit of um, an indigenous language and mm. then also color some mm. cool pictures of mine. Right. 
And how did that come about? How did you get involved with that organization? Um, again, just sort of like a, an email comes through your screen and you're like, what? <laughs> like, this can't be true. So, you know, sometimes it's worth it to go through the junk mail and, and the spam folder because I've had a, a couple show up in there before and I'm like, this isn't real. Yeah. And then, you know, quickly find out there's a number to call and they're like, hey, we've been trying to get a hold of you. So it happens like that sometimes, That's... you know, you got to be open to it. And I think one of the things too, is like when you're an entrepreneur, um, it's not always about the money that you can make or or need to make. Mm. Sometimes an opportunity is just an opportunity. So donating Mm -hmm. support to a charity that can, um, you know, amplify your vision and what you're doing with your work. That's, that's also part of it too. And and sort of in a way payment. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Uh, unbelievable. I can't believe that these, these emails that are just coming across the top of your computer are landing you these, these jobs. That's great. Expect yeah, to hear something more colorful and more, you know, oh, well, I was really down and out. <laughs> uh, just an email. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I pass, I pass the, the buck along too. Like if it's a job that I don't know mm. how to do, not in my wheelhouse, I yeah. have no problem being like, hey, like, are you, do you have enough work to do? Like, would you mm. like to illustrate this? Because I'm not that quick out of, of an illustrator. So, mm. um, yeah, no problem with passing some work on to friends or, you know, colleagues and stuff. Good. That's great. Way to go. Uh, listen, for those people that aren't familiar with the kind of work that you do, um, can you explain a little bit about the kind of style of things that you work on? Sure. So my artwork is sort of based on um, woodland art, which was um, founded or, you know, made popular by this man called Norval Morso. Um, and just imagine you have like x-ray vision and you're able to see like the spirit or the soul of whatever the thing, whatever the thing is you're looking at, you know, it could be a tree or a rock or, um, you know, a lake or an animal, even people. So you're looking at it through like a spiritual sort of lens and you're seeing their aura or their, you know, positive vibes, their connections, mm-hmm. spirit lines and things mm-hmm. like that. So that's sort of the the lens you should look at it in. And that's the I mean, it's a for me. I've sort of had my own take on it, and mm-hmm. I think you know most artists today, most of my colleagues in the biz, um, have their own take on it. And it's it's beautiful to see that you know it started from this one man, but that's mm-hmm. it's really disseminated out there over decades. Um, that um, it's it's taken on its own look for each and every person that's you know painting in that sort of style. And that makes perfect sense uh, because we'd all be looking at something differently and how we see that spirit or uh, you know whatever we're looking at there um, would be interpreted from a personal perspective. So yeah, cool. Uh, what are the, what is the area or one thing that you that you do you have one specific area that you really enjoy working on the most? Uh, I mean it's it's all part of the the soup like mm. I like it all um I think honestly going back to painting that's some one of the more um enjoyable things that you know you really zen out and it's not as high paced as say like shipping orders or like what product is your artwork going to go on to next and you know sort of the anxiety around let's hope it's the, the right one that really sells and stuff like that so mm. going back to painting is always I think you got to give give respect to the thing that kind of really got you started so um getting to do bigger projects and bigger paintings and stuff like that's, that's where, um, you know, uh, a lot of my soul is in this work. Mm. It just feels better to kind of go back to the thing that started it all off. Right. Uh, Patrick, I I noticed that 
uh, even while you were sitting there, you know, before we started the interview, you, you're wearing a, a shirt that has a single feather on it. Yeah. Uh, is, is that somewhat of a of a something you you're becoming identified with in some ways? Um, yeah, I, I chose the feather as my kind of logo. Um, it was from a painting actually uh, that I'd done before, mm-hmm. and I think when you are in the business of making things for people, uh, you just kind of want to wrap your own. So mm-hmm. I'm not. Uh, you wouldn't catch me like not that they're a bad company, but you wouldn't catch me like a Nike sweater mm. or anything i was mm. like well let's just print my own stuff on it right and um it's been it's been cool to actually to you know produce clothing for folks and they bought the sweater because they love that sweater and they like the way that it makes them feel right that's another thing that really keeps me going is like just hearing like they feel more confident or they feel um empowered by wearing something that you know, has my eagle feather or whatever design I put on it. So right. it feels good and it drives, really drives me to kind of do more. Nice. Um, have you ever worked with, with artists per se? Done any work with artists? And what I mean by that is musical artists uh, in, other, in other areas, uh, art forms at all or anything? Uh, yeah, sort of. I did a, an album cover for Noe Janan. Um, they, oh, yeah. it's, it's, you know, David, um, he travels across the country and teaches, you know, all of these youth how to make a song, yeah. um, you know, play, I think, a little bit of instruments and stuff like that. They do yep. a cool music video. Yep. It's amazing. So I yep. did a, an album cover, a couple, maybe an album or two before. Uh-huh. And then uh, I think we're at the same conference one time and I got to hang out with him. He was really cool. And um, so, yeah, sort of. <laughs> I'd like to do more. <laughs> right. Okay, well, you know, anything else you can think of, Patrick? What's coming up for you that we might want to be interested in? Um, well, just to bring it back to Pure Litter, we have a, a contest um, through one of our co-collaborators, mm-hmm. um, Michael's. If you log on to their website, okay, um, you can download a box template and put your own design on it, upload it, and then it'll go into a contest. And I think you can win like 500 buck gift card or maybe it's 1000 mm. Um so that's exciting. I think, mm. I hope there's a lot of people that do that. Right. Well, you know, first of all, congratulations once again on the gig with Purolator and, uh, and your design that uh, was, was cho- chosen with, with others for the holiday season. And also with your, uh, your, your holiday wear that you're working on for, for mugs and those kind of things. And, um, and also, if people are interested, they can go to your website. It's patrickhunter.ca, correct? Yeah, and I have a print sale happening. So if you, it's a two for one. If you type in the gift, the promo code, um, gift patty twenty twenty, uh, you'll get a two for one deal. Gift patty. Yep. Like, twenty twenty. Like P A T T Y. Yeah, yeah. It's like people call me Patty sometimes. Oh, okay. <laughs> Till the eighteenth. Cool. Yeah. Patrick, it's been a real pleasure speaking with you, and, and thank you so much for taking the time to join us, and congratulations on all your success, and uh, and may you have much more, and uh, and I hope that we can talk again in the future. Anytime. You know where to find me. All right. <laughs> okay, take care. Thank you so much. <laughs> 
All right. That's the voice of Patrick Hunter. He is a two-spirit Ojibwe artist, graphic designer, and entrepreneur. And he's based out of Toronto. And uh, you can find out more by going to his website at patrickhunter.ca. There you can find out about everything that he is doing. And also, like he said, you've got this, he's got this sale on right now, a two-for-one sale. Uh, if you uh, give the uh, promo code GIFTPATTY2020. It's been a pleasure speaking with him, and it's always a pleasure to have you listening to our show each and every day. That's this part of the program. Don't go away. We're going to be right back with more right after this. Now back to Moment of Truth with David Moses. Element. Element. Element FM. Welcome back to Moment of Truth. I'm your host, David Moses. You're listening to Element FM in Toronto and Ottawa, but also anywhere across the country. If you download the Radio Player Canada app and then type in one of those two coordinates, as well as E-L-M-N-T-F-M, and then you can listen on your device of choice 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It is a pleasure to welcome to the show, we have with us uh, Paul Natrell, and he is uh, part of an indigenous culinary group of uh, chefs that is the Indigenous Culinary of Associated Nations, or ICANN, a cool name. And uh, what they've done is they've put themselves together to start to raise funds so that they can provide meals to indigenous people across the country. And um, these are these meal kits um, uh, provide everything that you can get for a meal in there. So it's got all the ingredients as well as descriptions and the significance of the ingredients that are in the foods that make up the meal kit. A pretty cool idea. And they also have a GoFundMe um, uh, set up now for, for people to donate so that they can help provide these meals over this, this uh, pandemic uh, holiday season. So, Paul, welcome to the show. Yeah, well, uh, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure and it's a very exciting times. Like, uh, ICANN has been doing a lot of, a lot of good work the last couple of years before, like pre COVID. Mm. And this is the second round of, uh, feast boxes that we have done. Uh, there's a couple of us chefs that are on. A part of ICANN mm-hmm. that produced uh, a summer solstice box, mm. and and I did that here in Vancouver uh, for the Squamish Nation and the Swale Tooth Nation and a woman's shelter here. But uh, I'm super excited for our winter solstice box, and there's just again and before like there's a group of indigenous chefs across the country that are going to be creating their version of indigenous cuisine and serving it into our indigenous communities yeah that's such a great idea and i like what you said there about the group of chefs across the country that are taking part in this and they provide uh the meals that are i guess more uh, relevant to the territories in which they are are preparing these meals is that is that correct <clears throat> yeah for sure like each uh indigenous cuisine is is regional so like here in Vancouver we have Mr. Bannock by me uh <laughs> Inez with uh salmon and Bannock mm-hmm. and then we have uh like a couple different chefs like across the country but like we're gonna have different flavors different ingredients and different textures because like all environments are different 
right? Mm-hmm. Uh, like here in Vancouver, it's a lot more rainy than uh, like back where you guys are, where it, it snows a lot more, right? Like back east. Mm. So there's definitely going to be different ingredients. And I'm super excited to see what the whole team does. Like we all have like our version and style of indigenous cuisine. So Paul, when these kits are put together and they're prepare the meals, they they prepare the descriptions of what's going, going into these meals as well to provide that significance. Is it just the main meal or does it go right into say the dessert end as well? Uh, That is totally up to, to the chefs that are preparing these boxes Mm. Uh, the last time when I did it, I did enough for four people in a box mm-hmm. and they had like a, a nice uh, Caesar salad. But I also added, uh, I used kale instead of romaine. Mm-hmm. And then I also used uh, some fresh sea asparagus that was uh, harvested from one of the local companies here mm-hmm. in Vancouver. And uh, just using like the the traditional ingredients, right? Mm-hmm. And it's super exciting. But uh, the biggest thing is is the budget, right? Yes. Uh, that GoFundMe. We're really hoping to to increase those numbers this like this go around. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's the the Christmas season, so just give people mm. <laughs> <laughs> like the. Like the more that that people support and and give, then then we can definitely throw in like an indigenous inspired dessert, right? Mm. Uh, like we just create food within like a certain budget that we have. Yes. So so it's definitely definitely awesome and and exciting. Yeah. Uh, Paul, what can you tell us about the, the indigenous culinary of associated nations? You said that this is, you know, uh, the second time that you've done this, but you've also done other initiatives uh, previous to the the uh, COVID situation and going back a couple of years. How long has it been around? Uh, we, I think we started in 2018. Uh, like we formally organized as as a group right and uh like since then like we've had like pre-covid we had uh in-person meetings and we're like-minded chefs across the nation that have uh, a certain level of uh experience and exposure to to the media right like we're successful and leaders in our industry but we come together and we put our minds together and we create these awesome uh like initiatives like this uh we last year like just today a memory came up in my facebook feed uh we were in whitehorse yukon last year cooking up there Mm. i think we were up there for four days i think and three of the days we were in the kitchen cooking with uh the indigenous community up there like people Mm. who want to become people who want to become chefs Mm. so like we we were traveling around around the country uh sharing and showcasing indigenous food culture uh before covid we had taste of the nations and you have a chef from vancouver you have a chef from quebec Winnipeg, Saskatchewan, uh, Alberta, like we all came together and created these awesome 
indigenous menus mm. that people got to experience, right? Right. That sounds great. And um, so, you, as you said, you're based in Vancouver. What, uh, whereabouts do you work out there, and, and what kind of uh, what kind of environment and what kind of meals do you prepare? Yeah, so for me, like I, I'm the owner of Vancouver's first Indigenous food truck, Mr. Bannock, mm. and I operate on the North Shore, uh, like on on my reserve out here. It's called uh, Slahan or Mission Reserve. Mm. And before COVID, like we were traveling all around the whole Lower Mainland with a truck at all of the the big city events, right? Mm. <clears throat> and uh we also did catering on top of that but with covid like mm. and all these restrictions that's a very limited rate sure but uh like i created an online store and did like like make at home products mm-hmm. so you can get a mr bannock classic bannock mix uh we have a chocolate bark mm-hmm. and some smoked spices and sugars and stuff but it's it's something that we pivoted to because sales aren't like they used to be before mm. COVID. Sure, right? sure. Well, hopefully, you know, some part of uh, normalcy can ensue in the near future, you know, to help benefit uh, people like yourselves uh, so that mm-hmm. you can start getting back to, to a little more of what you might have been used to in terms of being able to, uh, you know, put some, put some, uh, some money in your pocket yeah, well, this whole uh, feast box is kind of uh, brings back some of that mm. that similarity like it was before, right? Mm. Like I'm able to, like each of our own businesses like interacted with so, so many other local businesses, right? But uh, doing these feast boxes, we're able to support other like food producers and mm-hmm like people who specialize in other things, yeah, right? But yeah, yeah. Uh, like I use a company called One Arrow Meats and I use their specialty bacon. They're an indigenous company in Vancouver and uh, Spear Bear Coffee, like I carry them on on my everything that I do, right? Uh, they're indigenous companies, right. but, but we're able to like support them a bit more than like how we used to, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So I get to be creative and making new dishes. I get to support, uh, like bring back my workers to, to come work again and also feed, feed the community. So, so I'm super excited. Like this is, uh, this is pretty cool. I think, uh, I think last time we did, I think it was like a hundred boxes, something like that, Mm -hmm. that we gave out for the winter solstice and, Mm -hmm. Hopefully we can do that much again or a bit more. It yeah. just depends on just depends on the funding, right? Sure. And uh, we added a couple more chefs throughout the country, so we can support their communities as well. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm excited to see what everybody's going to do. Paul, can you explain to us how this operates? Um, how do people find out about who needs the meals, and how do how do they get sent to them? Can you, how does this all work? Yeah, so we we have like like I was saying, we're pretty connected into our communities. And uh, the first go around, I I helped out the elders and some families in my community, 
And I also gave it to our next, our, our cousin community, the soil tooth mm. and then a woman's shelter. So it's uh, up to the chef on which there's so many programs that we can assist in right. and we can't, we can't help them all. Right. Right. But, but uh, we can try to help out as many as we can. And uh, this year or this, this go round, I'm going to be doing the dudes club in Vancouver it's a, it's a men's group and uh i helped out a women's like shelter last time so i'm hoping to just just spread it around a bit more mm. so yeah it's exciting now you you had mentioned uh your your community mission um you said it's on the north shore where whereabouts is it exactly located yeah, it's um, my my reserve where I grew up and where I was born and raised, uh, Slahan. It's near Lonsdale Quay, uh, near the sea bus there. It's okay. Everybody, yeah. 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 On the other side, you mean on the other side of the bay, like where the uh, Lionsgate Bridge is? Uh, it's kind of near there. It's maybe like 10 minutes from there. Right. But uh, Lonsdale Quay is where the, the sea bus goes. Like, yeah. From the North Shore to Vancouver, and then just on the Vancouver side is the the SkyTrain. Where, mm-hmm. it, yeah, so it's like it's pretty close anyway. Mm-hmm. And and uh, pre COVID, like I had people from around the whole world coming to my kitchen asking to <laughs> to try some of my food. Right, right. Uh, we had people from New York, Boston, Chicago, Britain, Germany. Scotland, like you name it, right? right. Uh, they wanted to come try like indigenous fusion here in Vancouver, mm. and and for me, like my uncle was a hunter when I was younger, so he used to bring home wild game, so mm. deer and yeah. elk and moose and all that stuff. Wow! And we used to have it with everyday food, right? So, like me growing as a chef. Like I'm able to contribute to that, but a bit more, right? Yeah. How do you think, Paul, that helps you in terms of being a chef? And, and that's wonderful that you got that experience of being raised around those that wild game that was coming into your home. I'm sure you you learned a lot about the preparation and and also how to how to even uh, preserve those foods as well, um, how to care for them, how to uh, garnish them. What are the you know the wonderful things that you guys probably find that, that you can garnish these meal with and spice them with and those kind of things. Yeah, for sure. Like, uh, like just being able to have that when I was younger, I was like very fortunate, right? Um, not everybody across the country, whether you're indigenous or not, right. gets to experience that, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of people get processed foods from, yeah. from the grocery store, yeah. right? And it's totally a different flavor. It's a different texture and, and it's a bit healthier as well, right? Yeah. Um, but even like it's an you can never stop learning when about our food culture, right? Like I've been doing this. It's funny. I seen a memory on Facebook just today. Eleven years ago today, I was in Wild Salmon. That was the indigenous restaurant in Vancouver <laughs> for my culinary school, mm. <laughs> <laughs> and I had I had like a 
like a ravioli stuffed with pheasant and a crispy sage something, right? Mm. <laughs> it was pretty funny to see, but right. I was like, man, <laughs> 11 years ago, that's yeah. crazy. Yeah. But yeah. but like even till this day, like I'm still I'm still learning. Yeah. Uh, recently, like I was able to go hunting and a mentor under uh, uh, under an indigenous hunter, like from our family, mm-hmm. and he's teaching me like stuff he learned. Like he's he's a bit older than me, right? Mm-hmm. But but like I got to experience that firsthand, mm-hmm. and. Uh, just the whole processing of a, of an animal and it, it giving up its life to feed us is, uh, is definitely a huge experience, right? Right. You're listening to Element FM in Toronto and Ottawa, 106.5 in Toronto, 95.7 in Ottawa, anywhere across the country. If you download the Radio Player Canada app, type in one of those two coordinates as well as E-L-M-N-T-F-M and then listen on your device of choice 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I'm your host, David Moses. My guest is Paul Natral. He is an Indigenous chef based in Vancouver, and he's talking to us about something that is going on through the Indigenous Culinary of Associated Nations, or ICANN, and that is that they are putting together uh, feast boxes. Uh, they've done this a couple of times before, but it's the holidays, and they're putting together these, uh, the, as I said, these meal kits for people uh, so that they can enjoy a nice meal uh, of up to about four, I guess, it might be a family of four that they're preparing them for. This is all through donations, and it's a go, it's through a GoFundMe um, a campaign that they have going on. And um, uh, Paul, do you know what? Where do people find that GoFundMe uh, campaign? Yeah, so it's uh, being held with our one of our chefs on ICANN. Mm. Her name is uh, Krister, Krista. Yep. Her company is uh, Feast in Winnipeg, Manitoba. Mm -hmm. So you can go on, look on her social media and all the links will be on there. And I just want to thank everybody who's supported so far, but we got a long ways to go. So people check it out and and keep us working and feed our communities at the same time. Right. Okay. And I also see that if people go to indigenousculinary.ca, uh, it's also uh, located there. If you scroll down the page, um, you can see that there is indigenous feast boxes that you can donate to. So it's it's there on that site as well. So uh, that's great that that is there. Nice looking meal at the top of the page. Ooh, looks great. Um, by the way, uh, uh, Paul, you had mentioned that you had been raised around animals and you had mentioned about just the pre- processing of an animal. And, and I think I, I was wondering as you said that, how do you think that, or what do you think that that gives you as a chef beyond just a chef that is, you know, gets a slab of meat pre- present, presented to them and starts to work with that in terms of actually appreciating the animal and, and actually giving respect to that animal uh, in, in the process of all this? Yeah, it's just, uh, just gives like full, full circle, right? Mm. Uh, I'm super thankful for the animal to uh, to nourish us, but also like I'm like more thankful because he's feeding us. But also I get to pick and choose like the the types and cuts of meat that I get to work with, mm, right? Mm. Uh, like ribs and tenderloin, back straps, like mm. you name it, right? Mm-hmm. There's so many delicious parts that. 
uh, that come from a, like an animal nourishing us, right? Yeah. And and also like choosing how I want to do that. <laughs> yep. Like uh, like as a chef, like I'm like ten times thankful because uh, there's so many things that we can do with it and showcase. But even like being indigenous and if I'm harvesting this, like I get, uh, it's giving its life. I get to pick and choose what I'm making, how I'm going to do it and feed my community mm. or my family. Mm. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so <laughs> yeah. I can't say thank you enough. Right. Right. If Paul, in terms of giving thanks and those kind of things and appreciating and paying respect to the animal, it's a hectic world out there. We're all extremely busy. Do you still take the time in regards to, you know, when there is an animal that is that is either given to you or that you have sourced um, for for feeding people uh, to, to to still try and find the time to to show that animal that it's due respect and 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 also, uh, you know, uh, as I say, to make sure that it is it is treated properly through the process as well? Yeah, for sure. Like, uh <clears throat> You can, I would say, try to do that a bit more. It just, it's part of our culture and who mm. we are, right? Mm-hmm. And also, like, even if, like, processing in, like, an animal in its life and converting it into food, but even, like, with this whole COVID, we all had a lot of extra time. So there's a lot of us that started gardens, like, at home, right? Because, we had nothing else to do sure. during lockdown, right? And I got to see firsthand on how how to grow different things. Like we grew beets and carrots, uh, different kinds of salad greens, right? Mm-hmm. So this year was definitely tough, but I also got to learn a ton, right? So well, I'm just thankful, thankful to be able to do what I do. And to have learned and experienced the whole, like, process of it all. Right. right. Speaking of the process of it all, uh, as you were talking about, uh, you know, putting your own garden together this year because you had the time. Did that myself (laughs) this year. And uh, you quickly learned that you're not only preparing food for yourselves, but also for some of those little critters that come around (laughs) and like to invade your garden, right? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, no doubt, right? That's... that's a tough one there, but like just the, the whole process and like even giving thanks for that, right? Mm. Like weather, weather dependent, right? Mm-hmm. Like some places might not have enough water. Some places mm-hmm. might have too much water. Yep. So uh, you just give thanks all around and hopefully uh, the creator blesses us with some, some good harvest, right? Right. Now, um, who came up with the original idea, Paul, for for doing this in terms of putting these uh, these meal kits and these feast kits together? Yeah, there was. Uh, we have a whole board that that uh, that's that is ICAM, mm. and and we go back and forth on a ton of ideas. So around around the table somewhere, mm. uh, there's a lot of work in place and a lot of work that we've done in the past. So not I can't remember off the top of my head, but we definitely go back and forth as a team on ideas and uh, like the planning and then the executing. Right? Mm. How often do you guys get together? 
not as much because of COVID right now, but uh, we do virtually. Mm-hmm. So like via Zoom or phone call just depends on how busy everybody is. Right. Like I was saying, we have we all are successful in our own territories. Sure. So gathering the chefs together that are really busy is is a little bit challenging, but we meet regularly, uh, virtually right now. And last year we we met like four or five times mm. like throughout the country when we did Taste of the Nation events. Yep. And well, you know, the other thing that you have to think about is, like you said, it's right across the country. So you have time zones and people are working in different time zones as well, which adds to the challenge. Yeah, that was definitely, definitely the challenge, challenging part because we had chefs in Toronto and Quebec. And then I'm here in Vancouver. We had somebody in Alberta. Yeah. And Paul, this uh, this GoFundMe uh, 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 campaign that's on, uh, as we mentioned, people can go to the indigenousculinary.ca website to find out more about that. And they're looking to raise about $60,000 altogether, I believe, is the goal for this time around. Yeah, like we, we like I was saying, we're uh, trying to put work in chefs across the country's hands right it is a bit slower like everywhere not just in vancouver or toronto but uh like we're trying to aim high so we can have more people working we can have more people fed Mm. and like everybody deserves uh, a nutritious indigenous meal this winter right yeah Indigenous Feast Boxes is what we're talking about. Uh, the GoFundMe is available on the Indigenous Culinary of Association website. It's called just indigenousculinary.ca. And, uh, Paul, I wanted to, um, to mention uh, that how are the funds distributed? Because it all goes into this GoFundMe. How does then it, it get regionally divided? So it it goes to our our main person, Krista, mm-hmm. and then we have chefs that are selected already okay. into like through each region. Yep. And then it just gets divided equally between everybody. Right. And then from there we create a menu and see how many people we can feed. Right. And then execute. But uh everybody like I was saying, every chef is busy. Yeah. It's just when they can shoot off these boxes and, and feed the people, right? Right. Paul, it's been great talking to you. Thank you so much for taking the time to tell us about this Indigenous Culinary Associated Nations, ICANN, as well as the the uh, mission that the, you have going on to uh, put together Indigenous feast boxes for this holiday season uh, and meal kits that people can prepare in their own homes uh, for the holidays. It's a wonderful idea. Congratulations to you and uh, to the organization. And uh, all the best in the future. I can't wait to get out there and uh, check out Mr. Bannock. I want to try one of these Bannock and, and salmon things you got going on. Sounds good. All right. Well, <laughs> uh, from me and the whole team at ICANN and the chefs that we're, we're uh, creating work for, thank you guys. And thanks for everyone for the support. And you guys have uh, happy holidays and uh, winter solstice. All right. You too. Take care and thanks again.
That's Paul Natral. He is a chef, an Indigenous chef associated with the Indigenous Culinary of Associated Nations, or ICANN, and they have uh, going on a GoFundMe campaign to raise money so that they can provide meal kits to Indigenous families right across the country. And these meal kits are prepared with all the ingredients and the significant descriptions of why the ingredients are in there that prepare the food that is for these families about about uh, four people in, in a meal kit. And uh, it's a wonderful thing to give at this time of year. So if you want to find out more, as we mentioned, go to indigenousculinary.ca. Scroll down and you'll see where you can donate to the cause. And that is this part of the program. Thank you so much for listening to Moment of Truth each and every day. I'm your host, David Moses. We'll see you back here again tomorrow. This has been Moment of Truth with David Moses. Element. Element. Element FM.